church. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, my name is Bobby. I'm one of the pastors here at the Ridge. We're so glad you're with us today as we uh, start a brand new series called I Just Can't. And uh, before we jump into the series, though, I want to make a quick announcement uh, as we get going uh, here today. Uh, over the uh, last several months, we've been uh, sort of in a um, uh, just a transition period of, of really trying to figure out what the, the best thing for us to do as a church uh, when it comes to service times and, and different things like that. And one of the things that we've learned in, in the process over the last several months is that uh, we have a lot of you who volunteer, and you've, you're literally, you're volunteering like every single week, and some of you for multiple services, some of you for three services, some of you for two services, and, and some of you like every single week. And, and one of the things that we've learned in that process is that, that you guys are, are giving a lot of your time and energy and effort in that, and you're getting to the point to where it's, you're getting really, really, really tired. And we recognize that and we understand that. And so uh, one of the things that we want to do as a church is, is we always want to do our best to have a very healthy volunteer culture uh, here at the Ridge. And so we try to do everything that we can to help you with that. And so in order to do that, what, this is what we're going to do. And so this is for everybody, okay? Uh, we're actually going to, beginning November the 29th, that's Thanksgiving weekend, uh, we're going to be uh, adjusting our service times back to two services, okay? So we're going to move back to two services, and I'll, I'll tell you what that means for, for us here in just a minute. We're going to move back to two services, and so we will have service times at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock, and you'll get a little reminder card uh, with you here in a week so that you can put it on your refrigerator so you'll remember all that or be on the website. You'll get emails. You, we will not let you forget what the service times are, okay? And so, uh, but if you want to show up at 830, I mean, hey, come on, you know, and just stay for the nine. But anyway, so it'll be nine o'clock and 11 o'clock. Now, here, here's the thing about that. Um, I'm going to need you to do a couple of things. Number one, I'm going to need you to obviously pick a new service time. Everybody's got to pick a new service time, so no matter what time you typically attend, you're going to have to pick a new time. Uh, just, you know, be patient with us in that. We really appreciate that. So either 9 or 11 o'clock beginning uh, Thanksgiving weekend. And then secondly, I just need you to be patient with us. And, and, and just, you guys have been so great and gracious to us as we've grown as a church and switched service times up from time to time and changed things around a little bit. Uh, but just be patient with a couple of things. One, be patient with... Uh, some crowded services. As you look around, there are a few empty seats here, but those empty seats will quickly fill up when there's only two services. And so uh, you have to just squeeze in a little bit. Be sure to take a shower from now on on Saturday night because, you know, uh, y y anyway, so like you want to you wanna do that, you know, uh, if that's an issue for, I'm just saying, like, uh, so... We're going to have to squeeze in here together with each other, uh, and, and so services will get crowded. The hallways are going to get crowded. Uh, parking lot will, will be a little crowded. Check-in lines will be a little bit longer. So be patient with our volunteers. Be patient with each other. Be patient with us as, as leadership uh, as we just pray and seek the Lord as to what is next. And then just trust that, uh, that that's exactly what we're doing as pastors and elders as we are seeking the Lord desperately. We've got a few options on the table as far as what we can do next and where we're going as a church, but uh, this is not a bad thing for us. This is actually a really good thing for us. It's not an attendance issue. The attendance is, is fantastic. It's not, an, I mean, we're growing every single week, and so we're just praying and seeking the Lord as to what to do next and what the best option for us as a church will be as long as it continues to help keep us healthy as a church as we move forward. So uh, that's coming up November the 29th. Is that cool? You guys handle that for me? Is that good? All right. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, um, as we begin this series, let me, let me ask you this question. How many of you are familiar with something called the Whole 30 Plan? 
Whole 30 plan. All right, you know, a few of you, you know, some of you know what I'm talking about. Whole 30 plan. So um, my uh, my wife, she 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 does this whole 30 plan. It's not really a diet. It's really more of a way to to just eat better. It, it cuts out a lot of things like processed foods and caffeine and and unnecessary sugars and different things like that. And so it's really just a great way to just to just eat better and and be healthier. And so uh, my wife started doing this a while back, and she uh, she came to me and she said, "Hey." Uh, we should do this together as a family. And I was like, okay, that sounds great. And so I actually, I ended up doing it for like a really, really, really long time. I did it for like three days. And um, I, that's all I could do. I tapped out. I was done. Um, because here's the thing is that it cuts a staple out of my diet, Doritos. And so I just, I, I couldn't, couldn't do it. Funyuns, you know, I was like, I got to, you know, I got to have that. But uh, pizza, I just couldn't have, you know. So anyway, like I just needed, you know, s- certain things in that. So I did the half 15 is what I, I did. I, I didn't do the whole 30. I, I did the, I did the half 15. And um, but my wife, she does it, and, and it's great. But one of the things that I, I've learned in the process is, is I've learned that that in order to to make this whole thing work, to, in order to be able to do whole 30 and, and do it effectively, and and really just just to eat better in general, is that that you actually have to begin to read the labels on things. You know what I mean? Like, like you gotta, you gotta pick something up. You gotta look and see what it's made with, what's in it, and 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 what shouldn't be in it. And so, uh, I do a lot of the cooking in our house. I, I love to cook, and so I'm happy to do this. But I, I've learned that I actually, before I put something in something, I gotta read the label on. It. I gotta find out what's in it and be like, okay, is that is that Whole Thirty approved? Is it not? You know, you know. So I've learned how to cook certain things without other things. You know, normally. Uh, and so labels, labels can be a good thing. Like labels tell us the, the truth about things a lot of times, right? But without investigation, without really looking into something sometimes, sometimes a label can give us a false impression of something. A label can say something is this, but if you really investigate it a little bit, what you might find out is that that label is false. That label is not exactly what it tells you that it is. It's like false advertisement in some ways, right? And so it, it may point us in a direction that, that, is, that is not true. And so there are good things about labels. Obviously, uh, you know, labels have, uh, they have a, a way of, of changing the way that, that we think about something. But when we don't really investigate that, when we don't really take a step back and look at it, we can believe that a label is true when in reality a label actually may be false. And labels will ultimately sometimes change what we think. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but obviously every single one of us in this room, we all have at least one label that we wear, and that's our name, right? I mean, we, we're all named something, and a name is, is a label of sorts. Uh, maybe your parents named you the name that you are because it means something. Maybe you named your children a, a certain name because it, it means something. My son, I, Isaiah, he, uh, uh, we named him Isaiah. We named him uh, for two reasons, Isaiah. One, because of the prophet Isaiah in the Bible. You know, I'm a pastor. We've got to name our kids, you know, biblical names. I don't know what happened to Emerson. But uh, anyway, um, so like Isaiah, you know, we named it after the, the prophet Isaiah. And then his middle name is Daniel. And that's after a friend of mine that passed away in the Iraq war. And so, uh, so his, his name has, has meaning. And we really like the name Isaiah. So we you know, pick that. But like, I mean, our names sort of are like a label, right? We all have these, these names that, that are labels. Uh, some of us have nicknames. How, how many of you have like a, an endearing nickname, a nickname that you like? 
Anybody? Okay, a few of us do. Like we, some of us had nicknames that we like. I, I've had uh, multiple nicknames. I think throughout my life, some some of you call me B Dub. Uh, where's Brad? Brad's not in here. Brad calls me B Dub all the time. Uh, some of you call me Bishop. And I don't know why, but uh, that's. Anyway, I'm not a bishop, I'm a pastor. So anyway, but some of you call me Bishop, Bishop Bob. Uh, some of you call me uh, Bob, uh, some of you, which is weird. But uh, um, when, I, uh, when I was a student pastor, I had, I had kids, they would call me Bobby, Abby, Abby, right? And so uh, you, guys, you guys remember that, Bobby, Abby? Teresa actually still calls me Bobby, Abby, Abby all the time. And, and so uh, others, uh, I had some other students that used to call me Bobby Wasabi. That was kind of fun. I uh, kind of like that one. But, but we have these endearing nicknames. We have these nicknames that, that we like. Uh, others of us, we have, um, maybe we have nicknames that, that we don't like. And it's a nickname that, that maybe only, only you know about you because it's something that, that you call you. It's something that you think of you. Or uh, you, you have the, these labels and, or maybe names that, um, that you perceive that others think of you that others look at you as, other, others uh, sort of place on you. Today, uh, today we're talking in this series, and I just can't, we're talking about the fact that, that I just can't change. And, and, and here's, here's where we're going today. We're, we're talking about, about change because some of us believe, or others maybe have made us believe, or maybe our circumstances that we live in, our current circumstance in life is, is screaming at us that, that we just can't change. I believe that the path to change starts with identifying our labels. And, and here's why I believe that, because the root of who God thinks we are could be masked by a label. The root of who God knows and has made us to be and, and believes us to be, uh, who, who God sees us as, may be masked by a label. And that label may come from a bad decision that you've made in life. That label may come from just a, a, a circumstance that, that you find yourself in. That, that label may come from uh, others' bad choices that have adversely affected you in life. They be, may be masked by what God thinks of you, may be masked by constant mistakes. They be, it may be masked by an addiction. It may be masked by relapse. But I believe that if we all take an inventory in, in our lives, I bet we could all come up with a few things that, that we would like to change in our lives, right? right? If we took a step back for a moment and said, what do I want to be different? Like, what do I, what do I want about me? What do I want about my life to be different? You know, it may be a circumstance for you. The current circumstance that you find yourself in in life right now, you, you may want that to be different. You may want that to change. Others of you, it, it, may, be, it may be your marriage. You want your marriage to change. The, the place that you're in in your marriage and your relationship right now is, is, is hard. It's rough. And you want that to be different. Others of you, it may be, it may be health. It may be career it could even be spiritual in, in, in that you want your relationship with Jesus to change because, uh, again, through uh, circumstances or bad choices or, or mistakes, whatever has led you to a place in your relationship with Jesus where you feel guilty, you feel shameful, you feel like maybe he is even distant or that he doesn't love you and that you're just on his nerves. He's tired of hearing you. He's tired of listening to you. He's tired of you coming to him like with the same things over and over and over again. 
So you would like your relationship with Jesus to change. Every one of these situations, I think, provides its own labels. If it's your circumstance, maybe you feel like that, that you're a failure or that, that you're not good enough. It's your marriage, maybe you just feel like you're unwanted, unlovable, or maybe that you're the, the constant instigator. Maybe it's financial and, and, and the, your money, like you're just money, financial situation makes you feel like you'll, you'll just always be behind. And so there, there's probably something in every one of our lives that, that we want to see change. But there may be either an outside-influenced label or an inside-influenced label that we've smacked across our forehead that says, you know what, you'll always be this. Doesn't matter what doesn't matter what's over here. Doesn't matter what, what God has made you to be because you're just always going to be this. And so you feel like you just can't change. A couple of things that I believe that can help lead us to change that, that we want to see. If you're taking notes, you can write a couple of these down if you want. And then we're going to uh, open up the Bible and, and look at a couple of different uh, passages of Scripture here. But uh, the first thing is this, is that we need to recognize that even our biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. Now track with me here for a second. We're going somewhere with this. We need to recognize that our biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. We have to understand this, that there is, uh, when it comes to, to sin in our lives, the, the bad choices that we've made that, that have been sinful, when it comes to these things, these are not things that God looks at and goes, you know what, that's a big sin and that's a little sin. There is no big sin and there is no little sin. It's all sin. Uh, God doesn't look at things in our lives, sin in our lives, and goes, hey, you know what, that one's really big over here. That one's really huge. But this one's not a big deal. Like, it, it doesn't have, you see, we look at it that way. We, we, we take sin in our lives, we take these things, and, and we, we put more weight on them than what God puts weight on. When God just looks at it all actually very much the same, and what tends to happen is, is then uh, when we do that is, is we consume our lives with guilt. We consume our lives with guilt, and, and we have to understand that guilt is not from God. Guilt is not from God. You see, guilt says that we're not good enough. Guilt says that we're unlovable. Guilt says that we're horrible. Guilt says that, that we'll never dig ourselves out of the hole that we've dug for ourselves. And all of these things, I understand what guilt does is it places a label on us. And guilt is that 500-pound weight that we wear around our necks. Don't you think it would be nice that if we could take guilt, if we could take sin, if we could take these labels even, if we, and we could just, uh, you know, write them out on an Etch-A-Sketch. Remember Etch-A-Sketches, you know what I'm talking about, like little, little kid toys? First of all, it's actually impossible to write anything on an Etch-A-Sketch, so it's really kind of a myth just to say that. But uh, to take an Etch-A-Sketch and just write it on there. But the thing that I would love about an Etch-A-Sketch is that you could draw something, you could write something, you could do whatever on it, and then you just shake it, right? Like you just shake it, and all of a sudden it's clear, it's, it's gone. Don't you wish that we could, could do that? Uh, we call these Alabama iPads, by the way, but if you take, um, sorry, Wendy, I'm sorry. So like, uh, uh, Mark, okay, Mark in the back right there, sorry, Mark. Okay, right. uh, so, but I mean, like, like, I mean, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be great? Like, if we could just take, take these things and just like, shake it up and erase it? 
Well, it's actually, it's actually kind of a, a possibility. Not, not that you can do it, but, but through Jesus we can do it. Li- listen to what John writes in 1 John 1.9. He says this. He says, if we confess our sins, he, talking about Jesus, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what that says? It says that uh, he's saying that when we bring our sin to the cross, we lay it before the cross, that God's promise is true for us, is that he forgives us, is that takes the spiritual etch-a-sketch and he shakes it and erases it. Isn't that crazy? Like, isn't that just, is that not amazing? Jeremiah in the Old Testament, he, he puts it this way. Jeremiah says that, that when, we, when we bring our sins before the Lord, it says that he will actually, he will remember our sins no more. He will remember, he says, for I will forgive their iniquity, meaning I will forgive their sins and I will remember their sin no more. And this is a great promise. But the first thing that we have to do is we, we have to, to recognize, we have to recognize that this promise is for us, that in Christ Jesus, this is us. Secondly, we have to remember that, that what we've done, what I've done, does not define us, but rather we are defined by who God says we are. Another way to put that is to say that, that we are not defined by what we've done, but rather we are defined by what God has done. We are not defined by what we've done, but we are defined by what, what God has done. And so doesn't this, doesn't this change the label a little bit? Because isn't that what a label does to us? A label says, this is who you are. Because of what you've done or because of what somebody else has done, what somebody else has said, what somebody else thinks, this is who you are now. So we just, we take that Sharpie and we write it out and we peel it off and we smack it right on our chest for everybody to see and says, hey, this, this is who I am. But what God actually says, is says, no, 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 that's not who you are. You are not what you've done. Rather, you are what I have done for you. You are what I've done for you. The labels try to define us. The labels try to define us. But here, here's what I love. Listen to what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, Paul, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture to, to some of you and and uh, others of you, maybe the first time that you ever hear this, but it's this amazing promise. And what comes before that and after that is equally as powerful. But Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, he says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Now, I love that right there, because what Paul is saying right there is he's saying, Here, here's the deal. From now on, we don't look at people according to their label. We don't look at people according to what they, they have done. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you should circle that right there because this is a huge, huge deal right here. He says, if anyone is in Christ, meaning if you've, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you are a follower of Christ, you call yourself a Christian. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That is huge. You see, because what that says about us is that says that you are not a better version of yourself. You are brand new. 
And brand new is always better than a revamped, renovated version of you. Because the revamped, renovation, uh, renovation, what is that word? Renovation, renovation, I don't know what I'm saying here. Loopy already. This, this other, uh, better version of you still has the same foundation, still has the same pipes. But brand new is brand new. It's different. And this is who Jesus, this is what Paul says. He says, in Christ you are brand new. He says, the old has passed away. I think there are too many of us that, that like to hold on to the old way too much. Because the old creeps up to us always, and it smacks that label right on our forehead and says, hey, hey, wait, 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 don't, don't forget who you used to be now. <laughs> like, don't forget. Don't forget how corrupt you were. Don't forget how sinful you were. Don't forget about the mistakes that you've made. Satan loves to come up and creep up to us at night and whisper in our ears and tries to get us to remember who the old was. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. That old person is gone. You're new. He says, behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Do you hear what he just said? He said, I've forgotten, like I'm not counting the old label against you any longer. I've given you a new label, and it's different from the old one. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God, making his appeal through us. And we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Paul says, hear me when I say this, we implore you. In other words, he's saying, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you, I'm urging you to be found new in Christ. To find your identity in Him and not your identity in something that someone else has said or something that has happened to you. Your identity is not found there. Your identity is found in your Creator. It is found in Christ Jesus. And so, you you know what the truth is here is that you and I, we can't change. That's the bad news. You can't change. I can't change. I can't, you, you can't change your past. I can't change my past. It, it is what it is, but in Christ, Christ can change not only our present, but also our future. God's power is always bigger than our past and always greater than whatever is holding us back from the change that we know that we need to make in our life. God's power is greater. There is no sin, there is no mistake, there is no bad choice, no label that has more power than the cross that Jesus Christ gave himself up for. Nothing. Nothing more powerful than that. Think about this for a second. Even, even Jesus, when he hung on the cross, they tried to label Jesus when he was, when he was on the cross. They try to put a label on him. They try to, to, to mock him and, and make fun of him and, and, and spit against everything that he said that he was. And then when they took him off of the cross and found him to be dead. Uh, you, we need to understand this. We forget this sometimes. That Jesus died like he died on the cross. He was dead. They took him off of the cross as a dead person. And at that point, 
They smacked the label on him as done. But he defeated the labels, didn't he? He defeated the labels. Because he, he got up. Like he, I don't know if you've looked or not, but he ain't in there. Like he, he ain't in there. He, he's not even on that anymore, right? We, we need to remember that. He's not in the tomb and he's not on the cross. He's alive. The, the work that he did on the cross is finished. That's what he said when he took his last breath. He said, it is finished. And what he meant was, it is finished, is meaning that his work is now complete. The labels are defeated. Death has been defeated. And he is alive. And that changes everything for us. So, I ask you this question. Who... Who has the right to, to label you? Who has the right to label you? Th- think about this for a second, because as I was thinking about this, I, I sort of was thinking, well, the only person that has the right to label anything is its creator, right? Like if you create something, if you make something, if you're the maker of something, you, you have the right to, to label that, right? If you uh, create something and, and then you own something, well, then you have the right to, to label it. If you create something and you own something and you purchase that something, you have the right to label it. Kind of sounds like being a parent, doesn't it? Right? Because you made it, you own it, and you purchased it. Because we all know that you didn't walk out of that hospital like free of charge, right? Like, I mean, you, you had to pay for that junk, right? And so, like, I mean, th- those bills ain't free. Um, and so, like, listen, who has the right to label something? It's, it's the creator. It's the, the maker. If labels tend to define us, and the only one that can truly label us is the one who has made us, would that not mean that the labels that have been given to us by others or ourselves don't really matter? The maker of the product is the one who gets to label you. And the truth is, the truth is, listen, you can't change you, I can't change me, but because God created us, He made us to be who He created us to be, not who the labels say that we are. Paul writes this in Romans 12, 2. He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And there's a comma there, and there's more, but he he says, Do not be conformed to this world. In other words, he's saying, Hey, don't let the world tell you who you have to be or who you are. But instead, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God. And in fact, we're going to talk about the will of God here in just a couple of weeks. What is good and acceptable and perfect. And I, I love that. He says, and don't, be, don't be conformed to the labels that are placed on you. In other words, be transformed by the Spirit of Christ in you, when we are transformed in Christ, made new, we get a new label. In fact, we get three new labels. Three new labels, and we'll close. You get, you get a new name. You get a new name. Um, my uh, my parents, they uh, they gave me a new name once. Some of you know this story. Weird story, 
But uh, my name is actually not Bobby. I don't know if you know that or not. It's, it's not Bobby. In fact, it's not even on my driver's license. It's not even on my birth certificate. In fact, I just picked it out of the blue one day. No, I didn't do that. But here, here, here's, here's actually what happened. Um, my, uh, my mom, she uh, uh, was divorced very early on in my life. I was, you know, less than a year old, somewhere around there, and, and uh, remarried, uh, my, who is my dad, who I've known as my dad for really all my life. And and um, but my name was I had a different name. My name was Bobby. And so in fifth grade, uh, they officially adopted me like, you know, which was kind of just like a technicality, I guess, at that point. But they officially adopted me into the family. And I just thought that my last name was getting changed. Right. And so they come. I remember they come come home from the courthouse that day and they're like, so it's official. You're now adopted into the family and your name is now Justin. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, what is that? Like, I mean, a whole, just a whole weird, so I got like this whole new name, right? And so I'm like in fifth grade at this point, and so like everybody, all of my friends, they knew me as Bobby, and I'm supposed to go and be like, don't call me Bobby anymore, my name's Justin, right? So that wasn't going to happen, because that was weird, and, uh, and so I just thought, I was like, uh, you know, I was just like, okay, you just, just keep calling me Bobby. But like, I have to, like, when I sign checks and official documents and things like that, I have to sign Justin. It's really weird. I don't even know who I am. So, um, <laughs> but, but I got a new name. I got a new name. And um, so, kind of crazy. But, but, in Christ, in Christ, we, we get a new name. And it's not like a physical new name. It's just, again, you're brand new. You're not the old person. You're, you're this new creation. Like you're created from scratch, brand new, spiritually. Listen to what uh, the prophet Isaiah, he says, Isaiah 62, two, he says, The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a name, by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. So in Christ, we, we get this new name. It's just a reminder that you're created brand new. Secondly, God, God gives us a new purpose. God gives us a new purpose. Now, this, is, this is huge. I don't, this is like one of those really, really big things, that God gives us a new purpose. In uh, the New Testament, there's a guy by the name of Simon. We know him as Peter. But, but Simon, uh, I mean, obviously, he had his name changed. He became Peter because what happened was is that when, when Jesus met this guy, he, he came to him and said, he said, hey, drop your, he was a fisherman. He said, drop your net, stop fishing for fish, and fish for men. Be a fisherman of men. And so Simon became Peter. And then later on in Matthew 16, uh, Jesus comes to, to this guy, Simon, and he says, your name will be Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. See, the name Peter means rock. So he gives him this, this new name. And here's the crazy thing. If you know anything about this guy, Peter, like, like he wasn't always a, a, a rock. It took him a while to, to grow into this, this new purpose because he it was a, just a regular commercial fisherman and became a disciple maker. But it took him time to, to sort of grow into this new purpose that, that God had given him. And he didn't always get it right. He failed. He sinned. But he knew what it meant to be forgiven. And he knew what it meant to, to walk in this new purpose that he was given. You see, we no longer have to let our labels determine our purpose. Because I, I think that's what a lot of us do, is, is th these labels that either have through circumstances, choices, whatever, however we've gotten these labels that we've defined ourselves, we've allowed them to define us, to direct us, 
and to give us our purpose in life. And for a lot of us, it's a purpose that we never wanted. But God wants to give us a, a, a new purpose, one that far exceeds any sin or label that holds us down. And then last but not least, God will give you a new future. God will give you a new future as a son and a daughter of the creator of the universe. Rick Warren, he's a writer and a pastor. He, he wrote this. He said, through salvation, our past has been forgiven, our present is given meaning, and our future is secured. Isn't that good news? I think, I think it's fantastic news. Now, here, here's what I want to do. Um, in front of you, in a seat next to you, you've got one of these cards, just a little white card. And um, why don't you go ahead and grab it. Just go ahead, everybody grab, grab theirs close to them. If you don't have one next to you, just pass one over to you. But everybody grab this card and hold on to it for just a second. I want to tell you what to do with it. Um, are you familiar with uh, the, the search and replace function in, like, you know, Word process, you know, like whatever word processor you use on your computer? There's this little, great little tool in there called the search and replace function. And I love it. I love to use it because it's actually a really cool tool. It's like if you're writing a document or you're writing something out, uh, you can just uh, pull up that little thing. And then in the search bar, you you type in the word that you're looking for. And what happens is is it populates that word all throughout the document and it will highlight it for you. It'll show you where that word is all throughout your document, right? And then in a box right below that, after you have found that word, after you have searched that word, you put in a new word. So if you want to replace that word that you searched out, you replace it with the new word that you're writing down. And then you just hit enter and it changes everything. Like it searches the word, finds the word, and then it replaces it with a new word. Well, that's what we're going to do with this. We're going to do search and replace. For the next few minutes, we're going to, as the... Uh, the band plays and sings, as they do that, what I want you to do is I want you to take this card and I want you to search the labels that have adversely defined you in some way. Maybe it's a label that, that you've given yourself. Maybe it's one that, that you feel like others have placed on you. Maybe it's one that, that has been determined by uh, the circumstances that you have found yourself in. But I want you to take it and I want you to just, maybe it's more than one. But you just write it on this card. And this is just for you. I just want you to take this card. After you write it on that card, you just fold it up. Just fold it up. Then after you fold it up as the band plays and sings, I want you to bring it. I want you to drop it at the foot of the cross. I want you to leave it there. I want you to take it out here with you. I want you to walk out with it. You're going to search and replace. And as you walk out of the doors today, we want to give you, we've got a card that we're going to give you as you walk out of the doors today. And it's got seven things on it that says, this is who you are in Christ. You're not this. Jesus gave his life on the cross to defeat this. You are this. The things that, as you walk out of the door, these promises that God says, in Christ Jesus, you are this. So we want you to search and replace this morning. We want you to take these things, and we want you to just leave them at the foot of the cross. Because these are not the things that define you. Your creator defines you. He made you. Only he gets to label you. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you so much for your word this morning. God, we thank you for how you, uh, you challenge us. God, how you move us and direct us. God, how you remind us that, that we are yours. That we are 
are your sons, we are your daughters, that in Christ, God, if we've, if we've given ourselves over to you, God, we are your followers, Lord. You have a new name for us, a new purpose for us, and a new future for us. And so, Father, God, we just pray that as we write these down, God, that you purge them from our hearts, that you purge them from our minds. God, that you replace them with your grace and your mercy and your love. God, as we lay them at the, at the cross, let it be a symbol to remember that, that you defeated these things in us and that you cover, you cover us with love, grace, and mercy.